Well, good morning. If we've not met, my name is Luis Palomo, one of the pastors at Foundry. I'm usually um, hanging out at Jones Road. And given the message today, Ray's like, I don't want to preach it. You preach it. So I'm out. So I'm, you're stuck with me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it's great to be back here at Jones Road. And before we get started in the message, I want to highlight that in a, in a couple weeks, we have a baptism celebration coming up. And I know prior to, to COVID, remember that COVID thing? Um, about a year ago, we had over 20 people signed up that wanted to either renew their vows or get baptized for the very first time. And we're going to bring that list back up. And if somebody else says, you know what, I've always wanted to do that, or I want to recommit in a different kind of way in a public sense uh, with my church body, I encourage you to let us know. You can go to foundrychurch.org connect and get your information there for us, and we'll be in touch with you. But it's a great way to to revitalize your faith if you've kind of maybe been out of it for a little bit or for your first time to say, this is something I want to do in my relationship with Christ. As we get started, I'm curious, how many of you here today, perhaps for your own life or someone really close to you, you want God to intervene on your behalf in some way? You don't have to tell me how, but if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, I want God to intervene? I got a situation, I have something in my life that I would love to see God. All right, so hold that, because we're going to come back to that. Even if those of you watching online, hold on to that, because we're going to come back to it. Now, we've been talking about miracles the last few weeks, and today we're going to talk about perhaps the least kind of talked about miracle, and some of it may even say it's kind of creepy, and may be a little bit uncomfortable about it with it. But it's the miracle of deliverance. And in reality, deliverance is a type of healing miracle. And we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about healing next week. See, deliverance is the kind of miracle in which God exercises authority and power over the forces and the powers of darkness and brings about freedom and light and life into our lives and around us. Now, some of us have had a hard time with the idea of miracles, period, and we've talked about that. But then when you throw in the idea of demons and you throw the idea of darkness and evil, then things start to get really weird, right? If we're honest about this. And I think the culture is fascinated with evil and darkness and, and demons as this whole idea of the paranormal by way of entertainment but it tends to discard the reality that it is an active force in our lives. Some have been deceived into thinking that deliverance is all about weird noises, right? And it's creepy, or the head spinning around in the movies and the eyes turning different colors. And we're like, oh, that's Hollywood. It's just for entertainment. It's just a movie. But my, part of it for, for me is the creative intent came from somewhere. It didn't just come out of nothing. It came from somewhere. There is something that is moving. And yet the very premise of our faith as followers of Christ stands on this idea and this reality that Jesus defeated the powers of darkness and evil. And in a sense, he snatched our souls from the devil's grip. 
That is what we affirm as Christians. When you are baptized and you go under the water, you are saying, I have died to sin. I've died. I am no longer part of that kingdom of darkness. And when you come out of the water, you're saying, I'm now alive with Christ and I'm being transferred into the kingdom of light. That's what we're professing. But yet somehow when we say that there are still evil forces at work in life, we're like, no, nah, there's no way. It, it can't be. That's crazy. That's just for some people. That's fanatical. That's maybe for you, Luis, because you're from Costa Rica. That's crazy down there. You know, Latinos, you know how they get. But the reality is that it's part of our world. It's how we move. From the very beginning in Scripture, we get insight into this unseen realm that opposes and resists God, his kingdom, and his purposes, and his character directly. The Old Testament and New Testament are written with the backdrop that affirms the existence and interaction of this unseen realm on this side of eternity. Now, it's important to note that the enemy of God, and we're going to refer to him as Satan or the devil throughout this morning, is not equal to God in any shape, way, or form, nor is his kingdom. The evil one is a liar, and he operates in deceit, in secrecy, in darkness, and in solitude. The devil is unimaginative, lacks creativity, and is unoriginal. And yet scripture says that he is like a roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. All he can do is take what God has made, and he takes it, and he distorts it, he perverts it, he twists it in order to bring about deceit and confusion with the hopes of ultimately destroying what God has created, and that's us. Someone once said that the greatest trick the devil ever played was to convince the world that he, Satan, does not exist. And see, one of the greatest lies that our spiritual enemy tells us is that he is not a force that is actually fighting against the kingdom of God or the kingdom of truth. So we think that's something not to be reckoned with, that we don't need to pay attention. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He is writing to a church in Ephesus many, many years ago, and, he's, and I believe this is true for us still today. So we, I think part of it for us is important to keep in mind that Christianity is not a playground. Christianity is a battleground. I would say that life is a battleground, but Christianity is a battleground from the standpoint of victory, not of defeat or of uncertainty. Just like there is a natural and visible world, there is also a spiritual and invisible world that we have to, or realm that we need to deal with. And Paul tells us this clearly. Our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Those are, we have different kinds of enemies. So in other words, your boss, your annoying, I don't know, neighbor, mother-in-law, whatever else, or the person that thinks differently than you do politically, or the person that drives you crazy on Facebook and their arguments, they are not your enemy. You may want to think they're your enemy, but they're not, because our enemy is of a different kind altogether. But we battle against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world in this dark world against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, for some of us, we don't think our everyday lives in these terms, but we battle against forces of darkness, demonic forces. 
I'm like, this just got really weird. It, it is weird, but it is truth. And I want you to hear me out because I think it applies to what, to our very lives. The forces of evil manifest themselves in a variety of ways in our lives. And it's not always in the manner in which you think. There are times in your life when you walk into a space, you walk into a room, and you feel something. Have you gotten that? Like, I just got this weird vibe. I'm not sure what that is. You walk in at work. It seems like a normal place, and all of a sudden, there's an attitude. There is a resistance from that other person. You've sensed this. You've like, I've sensed that in my own house. Yes, it happens in our own homes. You walk in, and you begin to say, there is something that is moving. I can't quite put my finger on it. I believe that that's part of how the enemy manifests himself, is in these attitudes, in these mindsets, in these ways of thinking that begin to move. Some people will believe that a demon is the spirit of the dead. In other words, my uncle died, and now he was such a bad hellraiser here on earth. He was just a horrible dude, and now he's a demon. No, the dead do not become demons. That's not how it happens. And if you were really good, you don't become an angel. I'm an angel. Like that, that, I don't, that's not what Scripture says happens to us. Here's the thing. We'll, we'll talk about the spirit of the dead in another day. You're like, yes, that's what I've always wanted to hear about. But I think we, we tend to make two mistakes. One is we overemphasize demonic influences. I've been around people who there is a demon behind every bush. Something happens, and that was the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil made you do it. And, you know, something falls and breaks. It was the devil. It was the devil's fault. I'm broke because it's the devil's fault. No, you moron. You spent money you don't have. You put it on credit. That's why you're on, in debt. And it's easy to walk around life trying to point everything at the devil as if it's the devil's fault. The reality is the recognition of demonic forces in our world does not exempt us from our own responsibility as followers of Christ. And then there's the other side of it, which is you can't blame every problem. One, you can't blame every problem on the devil. And the second group is to underemphasize demonic influence in our world. And though not every problem is caused by the devil, I would argue that there are more problems in which the devil is influencing than we care to recognize. Part of that is where the Spirit of God comes in and helps us discern what is simply happening. As Ray and I were preparing for this message, preaching the same one, now you know why he didn't want to be here. Um, he's preaching it at Jones. We'll watch him online later. Part of what we were talking about in preparation is though Satan was instrumental by way of a serpent at the, in the garden for humanity to rebel against God and sin entered the world. It is not Satan that is carrying sin into this world. We are. We human beings are the ones that do that, the brokenness in us. Hence, Jesus came to break that curse and to bring us into life in Christ Jesus. So though Satan has power, his power is very limited, and we're going to get into that. So if you want to understand how God's power works over darkness, then we must understand Satan and his demons and what they, what they do and what their role is. And I'm not going to get into 
incredible detail this morning for the sake of time, but you can go into Isaiah chapter 14, Revelation chapter 12, many other chapters. You can go into the book of Job and begin to read. Most scholars, though, however, will agree that demons are fallen angels, and they left heaven along with the head angel named Lucifer at the time, and whenever God cast Lucifer out, demons left with him. So in order for us to grasp the struggle that we find ourselves in today, we need to understand where Satan and the demons originated and what motivates them. So it's crazy to think that an angel like Lucifer with such talent and skill and responsibility would be so discontent that he would want to be, quote, unquote, and these are his words, to be like God. I think the reason he says to be like God is because he couldn't think of anything else greater than God. So he says, I want to be like God. So he begins to rebel against God, challenging God on the issue of glory. And he's wanting God's glory. Take away anything that gives God glory. And you know what gives God the most glory? Our lives do. Our very lives do. And that's why Satan comes at us. Satan's decisions led him to embody all that is ungodly, what we call evil, even though he still presents himself to us and in this world, as Scripture says, as an angel of light. Timothy Warren writes, when the act of rebellion took place, God apparently did not deprive Lucifer of his power as an angel, nor did Lucifer turn from his lust for glory. The lust seemed rather too intensified to the point that the primary occupation of this fallen angel is now to deprive God of all the glory that he can. The main way that Satan does this is by working through thoughts and experiences in God's children, aimed at God's children. Check out what Scripture says in John chapter 8. You are of the father, the devil, and your will is to do the father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, the father of of lies. Satan's main tactic against humanity is deception, or lies. And it is clear from Scripture that he also has some kind of power. Satan will go to great lengths to lead us astray. His lies are clever, they're crafty, and he goes to those places where we are vulnerable and susceptible to lies. Deception is a great strategy if you stop and think about it, because it becomes really hard to discern. We are deceived when we are convinced that we believe what is true, that what we believe is true. That's when we're deceived. And this happens a lot when we're on our own, in isolation. Here's the deal. As human beings, we have the propensity to be insecure. And therefore, we want to latch on to those things that seem secure and dependable. And that's why so many of us fall prey to the devil's schemes in our lives. See, the deception of the enemy and the demons is aimed at doing ultimately three things. And here's the thing about deception. You don't know it until you're in it. Now, if you're walking with the Spirit and you've got people, community around you, you're going to be able to discern these things. The devil never appeared in his full darkness to anyone like, oh, that's evil. Let's go. No one ever said that. It was always in a different form. 
that was luring, that was tempting. So he aims to do three things. Number one, he is tempting us to sin. And if you're sitting here this morning and you think that you are beyond temptation in X area of your life, be careful. Be careful. When you think, I got this, I, I don't need any help, I'm good in this area, whatever that area you think you have, be very, very careful. In that overconfident area is where the devil tends to come in. In that area where you also know you are very weak, he will try to show up and lure you in because he knows you're weak there. See, it's a type of pride, and Satan has a way of taking advantage of our human vulnerabilities. This is part of how he works. He looks for our weaknesses, and he tries to capitalize on it. Scripture says in 2 Timothy, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. He's talking about humans. If we're not careful, we will begin to rationalize our way into sinning against God and others in our own lives. We begin to explain it away. I don't need to explain that to you. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Number two, they distract us from God's will. They will do anything they can to distract us. First Timothy says, now the Spirit expresses, expressly says that in later times, some will depart from their faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Think about that. You're not actually going to see a demon sitting in the street corner teaching, and we're like, oh, they're following the demon. It's going to be things that look like lights, but is really darkness. That's the importance of knowing God's Word, being in God's Word, letting God's Word be in you, so that when you see that which is counterfeit, you will be able to identify it and run from it. But so much in our culture that if we're not careful, we will fall prey to and end up thinking that that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That which is light is really darkness. And Scripture says, if you're not careful, you will fall Pray to that. And this is where our thinking, this is a lot of the battle of the enemy is in our minds, in our thought process. We begin to think, hey, it doesn't really matter what you believe. For instance, all roads lead to God. Sprinkle a little bit of this, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of whatever, a little bit of New Age, a little bit of wicked. It's okay because all roads ultimately, that's not what Scripture teaches. You end up with a diluted, weak kind of faith. We can go in through social issues and so many other things that we begin to say, what is Scripture really talking about here? But as long as everybody's sincere, that's not what it teaches. But if you don't know, then you're just going to go with your gut. And get what, guess what your gut's connected to? Your mind. And that is where the devil plays his tricks. His best tricks is in your mind. And suddenly we're taken away by demonic voices and we're led by demonic teaching. If we're not careful, you're like, it sounds really dark because it is really dark, but it's never presented as full of darkness. It's always presented as light. Importance of knowing God's word. The third thing that we know Satan tries to do in his posse is to inflict suffering in our lives. You have an encounter, many encounters. We're going to choose one. Matthew 17, we came across the story of a father who begs Jesus to heal his demon possessed son. The dad who's hurting for his son cries out and says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. There, this kid is suffering from a disease that is causing him harm. And Jesus says, bring this boy to me and bring him now. And Jesus immediately rebukes 
the demon that was inside of this boy. The demon was inflicting pain and suffering on many levels. And at the word of Jesus, the demon left this boy and left him free and left him healed. The boy was delivered fully. That is the power of Jesus' words. Now, if the devil's main tactic against us is deceit, then there is need for the word of God to flow in and through our lives. There is also the need for us to be in community with other people, with other believers who are following Jesus Christ, because they are going to help us see our blind spots. They're going to help us create those lines of accountability. Like, hey, you know, if you touch fire, you will get burned, right? That's essentially what our people tell us, our tribe will tell us, when we're messing around with things we shouldn't be messing around, when you're pushing the line ethically, morally, at work, wherever it may be. I have fallen prey to Satan's lie because I did not have people in my life speaking truth into me. I thought that I had it under control. I would push the limits. That was my personality. I would push it to the limits. I wanted to rebel and say, people don't know. I know best. That led me into so much pain and suffering into my life that I could have avoided had I had other people in my life tell me the way it really was. See, because here's part, I think, part of the, the way Satan works. He wants your faith to remain strictly between you and God and no one else. Because then your relationship with God is whatever you say it is. The minute you bring in other people into your life means that you have to deal with some difficult things, especially if this group is, has Scripture flowing in and out of them. Say, hey, I realize you're saying X, but Scripture says Y. Let's look at this together. And you begin to evaluate. That requires humility. That requires courage to be honest and begin to share. I think some of us are craving that kind of community in our lives. Inevitably, people will ask me, how do you know it's Satan and not just our human nature? That's a really good question. Given that we live in a fallen world full of sin, there are things that simply happen that are just gut-wrenching and that will tear our hearts out. But here's the thing, I think they're intertwined. In what seems normal in life, this is where Satan comes in and takes advantage of it. Now, I want to make just a quick comment. Satan isn't omnipresent like God is. So when we say it was the devil and this, it's not the devil's everywhere. He can't be everywhere at the same time. Hence, he has his demons, and they're deployed at different places in different times. And that's why people experience different kinds of things in their lives, because there are things that are happening differently at different paces, rhythms. So when I talk about him taking advantage, I don't want to give the idea that he's equal to God in any shape, way, or form. So we're full of sin, but yet, Scripture, remember, says he's like this lion sneaking around waiting to pounce on the vulnerable, the weak, and the self-sufficient. That's where he attacks. And it's usually a combination of factors. And part of this great lie of Satan is that he tries to convince us that we have the ability to run our own lives. And this happens more than we know. Our world, our society has bought into this lie. And that's why we are more bound and full of suffering and tormented than ever before on so many different levels in our lives. So we turn to all sorts of remedies. We see people around us who feel tormented, who feel bound, who feel stuck. 
And they turn to so many solutions, remedies in their lives, and nothing changes. See, Satan and his demons only care that we act on the basis of the deception rather on the basis of truth in our lives. Some of us here today are seeking for an answer to your struggles, to your suffering, to your pain, to this idea of bondage that you have been dealing with. So here's the thing. Let us not look only to human remedy, that which is in the natural world. Let us also look to the supernatural as well. I think that's the tension we find ourselves in. Yes, there are things that we can do. If you're sick, you go to where? The doctor, right? You go to the hospital, whatever it is to do. But at the same time, we also pray. There are things that we do that make sense to us, that common sense for all of us. So I'm not saying one or the other, but this is part of what, what wisdom looks like for us as children of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is a way out of deception and into his truth. Jesus came so that you and I could have life, and life abundantly. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. Jesus came for the sinner, not the righteous. Jesus came for the broken, not the one who thought he had it all together. Jesus came to be the light of the world. Our enemy has a mission. Satan, which means accuser or adversary, will oppose Jesus, his character, and everything that Jesus stands for. So when we are living life and things happen, and we experience depression, for instance, which is very real, that which is very normal in our broken world, the enemy of God can try to take advantage of that and begin to have influence over depression, suicidal thoughts, feelings of desperation. See, the enemy of God wants to destroy our marriages, not just the marriages in this church, but in this country and throughout the world, and we fall and pray to it. He wants to ruin your faith, your testimony, your witness. He wants to wreck your finances. He wants you to live in disarray. He wants you to live in disorder. He wants to steal your joy. He wants life to become drudgery for you. He wants to obliterate your health. You think about these things, that there is a foe that stands against us in many different ways. The demons want to crush our families and our children. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've dealt with this, you've wrestled with this in your own families. This isn't game. This is extremely serious. It's not this little red guy with a pitchfork dancing around. You're like, oh, it's just Satan on his shoulder. And you got, no, no. He is here with a mission to deceive to confuse and to destroy if possible. These are forces of darkness that hate God and the kingdom of light. And if you are a follower of Christ, you've just signed up to be on his list. Think about that. But here's the thing. We have nothing to fear as God's children. I paint this picture because it's reality. It's grim when you just hear one side of the story. But when we realize that we are in a spiritual battle, we have been given weapons as God's children. 
So we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to live in fear. And let me give you this thought. If you're in Christ and you've been transformed by his grace, if Christ is your Lord and you are following his ways, I'm not talking that you're perfect because I don't think any of us are perfect. I don't, and I don't, I'm not sharing with you this morning out of this place of perfection. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you from real life stories that I have lived and experienced. And I want to tell you that if you are a follower of Christ, Allow the Spirit of God to guide you. He will enlighten you. Surround yourself with people that grow. And you need to understand that you have authority in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything and everything in this world is subject to Jesus Christ, including the forces of darkness that have come against us. So you have authority in Jesus' name. Have you thought about that? See, Jesus says to us, we say, no, follow and share Jesus Christ. It comes from this idea in Matthew 28, go into all the world and disciple. We're like, great, we want to disciple and baptize people. He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. This idea of even discipleship making is made in the authority of Jesus Christ. We don't do this in our own strength, in our own plans. We can't revitalize ourselves. We can't outwit the devil. We can't do this on our own. So he's saying, would you trust me that there are forces that will come against you, there are things that will want to attack you, but they will not stand a chance. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen? That is the God that we serve. He is saying, you have this. Like, Luis, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. You will. Because it's part of what we grow into as followers of Christ. If you are in Christ, you have authority over darkness in the name of Jesus and as we fight this battle, we begin to understand what this looks like. We begin to find out what this power actually looks like in our lives. In fact, in Matthew 10, chapter 10, verse 1 tells us how to tap into this power. Christ says this, Jesus called his disciples to him as he gave them authority and drove out impure spirit, demonic spirits, and to heal every disease and every sickness. Jesus gave them authority to use this power. Authority is given. It's not something that is taken. Authority is given to us. As children, take it. We must learn to receive it. And to take authority doesn't mean I have to be a crazy person to go run around yelling or doing anything of that nature. It's, authority comes from a sense of who we are, of identity in Christ. Even in my own life, I don't have the, the power to defeat darkness, but I have authority to declare the name of Jesus over darkness. So many times I, I will say, I will walk around a space like I did this morning before all of you gathered here and prayed in the name of Jesus. And that's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We don't pray in anybody else's name. We pray in the name of Jesus. In his name, there is power, there is authority, there is grace, and that's why we end our prayers, I do, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Louise, like, nothing, doesn't matter. In the name of, of, of Jesus, there is power. There are things that are created. There are things that are, can be undone in heaven and on earth. So I pray. I remember the first time I really exercised authority in the name of Jesus. I'd been around it all my life. I remember one time my parents were 
um, we were living in Costa Rica, and they were asked to go preach a lot, and they went to go to this little church, and they said, do you want to go? And I'm 13. Of course I don't want to go to church. So I, I, stayed, I stayed with my brother and sister at home, and it was time for them to come back, and they hadn't been back. And now it was like 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock at night, and I was like, it was before cell phones. So, you know, I sent away a little carrier pigeon trying to find my parents. I didn't know where they were, and all of a sudden, my parents walk in. I was like, hey, how's it going? And they looked exhausted. I said, what happened? And my dad said, well, I was getting ready to preach. And all of a sudden, a little boy in the front row fell over and had an epileptic seizure, which the mom said is normal. This is what happens every once in a while. So immediately, my mom and dad said, we're going to run up to the front and pray for this child. And they started to pray. As they started to lay hands on the child to pray for healing, they heard a different voice. And this went on for about three hours, and the little boy was finally delivered from a demon. This is the life I grew up with and around. Very normal for me. Fast forward, I'm now, I can't remember, 20 years of age. I'm an intern at a church. We're doing a camp here in Texas, and we're done singing, and there's kids praying, and the band's playing, and everybody's leaving. We have four different churches gathered together. And there's one little boy not so little, he was a 10th grader, and he's kneeling, at, and he says, somebody said, you need to go pray for him. I was like, yeah, somebody should go pray for him. And they looked at me like, no, you need to go pray for him. I said, fine, I'll go pray for him. I was like, it's late. Like, we have a cool game of capture the flag coming up, and I didn't want to miss it. And I walked over this young man, and all of a sudden I sensed that there was something in this, in this person. And there was a, another lady sitting nearby, Diane, and she looked at me and she says, you know he needs deliverance, right? And I did. I said, yeah, we should pray. And she's like, I think you need to lead this prayer. And I said, I think you're crazy. She's like, you need to lead. And I said, all right, give me a, a couple of people. And I started to pray for this young man. After about three hours of prayer, he was delivered from seven demons in the name of Jesus. I could tell you the story. I don't have time. In the name of Jesus, people are set free. And we will experience incredible victory in the name of Jesus in our lives. If you're in Christ, what I hope you will understand, and I, I get it, not everybody has the experiences that I've had as dramatic and as pronounced. But I hope it will encourage you, will open your eyes to the reality of what is possible in the name of Jesus. Remember, we serve a miracle-working God. We've sung about it. We've declared it. We're going to sing a song here at the end declaring this. I'm going to go over a little bit in time if you haven't noticed already. If you've got to go, I, go. I, I don't want to keep you, but I, I do want to finish this here a few minutes. The reality is we don't think in life in these terms because we're so busy doing everything else. We're, we're just trying to pay the bills. We're trying to get the dishes done. We're trying not to murder our own kids because they look around like drunk squirrels. Like, we get it. Like, it's, it's crazy. Our lives are insane. You know, we feel hostage, especially after this last year in our own homes, trying to think about. And to think about life in this terms is crazy. But I think that sometimes some of the division that we experience in our homes, in our lives, enemy of God has taken advantage of and is trying to to take control. There are forces of darkness that want you dependent on that which is chemical, 
on pills, on different medications, on lustful images, on different substances. He wants you to be, remain a prisoner. And I want to give you a couple thoughts as we end. Two things. Don't assume that every problem is a result of demonic influence because it's not. But also don't assume the inverse, that every problem isn't. I want to encourage you to do what is natural. I want to encourage you to also seek supernatural intervention in your life today. I prayed for a man not long ago from our church. Talked about the pain and suffering in, in his life due to many things that he had experienced. Along with that, years of abuse. Let me tell you, God has done an incredible work in this person. But this person has also gone to counseling. I've been part of, of a deliverance of somebody else also from our church. And God has set them free. But now they're also going to counseling. We kind of do it, this, this two-pronged approach. Yeah, we do it in the natural. We also do it in the supernatural, meaning we invite God to intervene, healing our emotions. And suddenly we begin to experience healing and freedom in depths like we never thought possible. Some of you who feel like you've hit a wall, this invisible wall, you can't get past it, you feel stuck. It could be that it's time to pray through that. And I think that sometimes for us as children of God is to believe God in the miracle and wait for God to do what only God can do. And I think of the people of Israel when they've left Egypt, they're running around, they find themselves between an ocean and an army coming after them, and yet God splits the ocean. He creates a highway for them to walk across on dry land. And what do they do? They have to walk. Sometimes we have to walk into the miracle that God has for us so that he can take care of the darkness. That which held us captive is coming after us, but we don't look back. He will take care of that. It's not us. Like it's, we don't have to do it. It's God, I am trusting you to fight this battle for me. I am moving forward in the name of Jesus in my life. So I do what's natural, and I ask God for the supernatural. You're struggling with any kind of substance abuse. Do 12 steps for crying out loud. Don't just depend on the supernatural deliverance. War. Do what you need to do. You need to lose weight? Yes, pray, but work out. Eat differently. Do what you need to do in the normal sense. Yes, there's, God's going to help shift our minds and the way we think and approach food and so many other things. But do it together. Having trouble in your marriage, yes, let's pray. Let's get to the issues, but then let's get counseling. It's such a good thing for you, for your marriage, for your children, the legacy you'll leave. Because I believe that the devil wants us weak, but God wants us healthy and strong to be a light and encouragement to this world that so desperately needs it. Do what is natural and invoke the supernatural power of God. And the Spirit will prompt you in your heart. The Spirit will prompt you in your heart, what you need to do next. Watch for these promptings. I've gone to people's homes and I've prayed for deliverance of their homes. This lady told me in Spring Branch, she came and she said, when I come at nights and I sit here, I sense another presence. And there's the imprint. I can see the imprint. You're like, that's only in movies. It was happening in their home. And we began to pray over every little corner and cranny of her apartment and we went through room by room and as we prayed you could sense the atmosphere shift in that space in the name of Jesus and then we did something practical we actually put in new light bulbs 
in the place. And then we started to, to eliminate some things that were really demonic in nature. Hey, these games you think are games, these aren't games. These movies that your kids are watching, this music you're listening to is actually inviting darkness into your home. Do you realize that? And I'm refraining from listing some of the things so that I don't want to come across as judgmental. What I do want to communicate is be aware, be wise. Because there are areas in our lives where we may be deceived and we don't know it. But allow the light of Christ to shed his light and he will lead us. Because darkness is the absence of light and some of us need the light of Christ to shine in us. Christ says, I am the light of the world. And he's lighting up in us. For we are fighting against flesh, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and evil spirits. But we don't do this alone. We do this in the power of the Spirit. And here's the thing you and I will be able to resist the enemy's attack on us, on our families. And Scripture says that the devil will flee from us. Amen? So we don't do this from, we don't do this for victory. The victory is already ours. We do all of this from a place of victory because of Christ's completed work on the cross and his resurrection. So we live into this life. If you are in Christ, you have authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. But here's the thing. Some of us are facing a battle today. It's like, I don't feel like I have a lot of authority right now. I feel like it's kicking my tail. That's what I feel like. This pain that I carry, this lack of forgiveness, this hurt, these challenges, they seem to be too much to bear. I keep giving in to temptation. See, Jesus always provides a way out of temptation. Satan wants to give you too much where you can't carry it to squash you, to bring you down. But yet the Spirit of God is present. And he says, I want to move in you. I want to alleviate, I want to take away this pain, this hurt, this suffering, this weight that you are carrying. But I need you to trust me. And some of us here have said, you said it as I started, I need a miracle. I need God to intervene and to do something that only he can do. Let's ask him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we know that we have power and authority in the name of Jesus to resist the devil, knowing that he will flee. And Lord, some of us are under attack this morning, have been for a while, in our hearts, in our minds. And Lord, we need deliverance. We've carried something around for years and years. We can't shake. But I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would begin to set people free today, that your spirit would prompt a new way of being present in this life. So, Lord, move in those who raised their hands at the beginning, who are wanting you to move. Lord, we ask that your spirit, we give you permission to illuminate areas in our lives that are experiencing deceit right now. That maybe we thought we had this, but we really don't. Whether it's in areas of money, of health, of relationships, Lord, shine your light. 
bring healing where healing needs to come. I pray in the name of Jesus. And here's the thing, when it comes to light, y'all, it has no power. Power is gone. The secrecy is gone. Some of us need to bring this to light with maybe a few other people that we trust. But Lord, we are trusting you to move in our midst. We're asking you to do what only you can do. Some of us here, you've opened a way for us to move forward, but we're still just looking. We're not walking forward. You need us to walk through the miracle that you've provided. Maybe a natural, intangible kind of way. Show us what that is. If we need community, show us what that community looks like. It's tough, it's difficult, but Lord, we need you to move. We ask for a move of you in our lives. And we pray against the forces of Satan that would want to come against us and our families in Jesus' name. And I pray for all the families present here and those watching online in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for our children who are being deceived, who are in rebellion against you, against your things. Give us wisdom to parent, to be loving, to extend grace, and to set boundaries so that we can protect our children from the evil one. I pray for the marriages to be protected, to have life. Lord, some of us have been tormented for years personally and need freedom and need to walk. Show us what that is. For we are yours and yours alone. We belong to you, Jesus. I want to invite you to stand as we sing this next song. And this next song declares the, the power of God in our midst. And I want you to sing it out. I want you to sing it out. Maybe you don't really quite there yet, but I want you to sing it out in faith. Let's stand and sing this in declaration of our alliance to Christ of his power and his authority in our lives. We give you permission, Lord, to do what you want in us. In Jesus' name.